0: It is a wonderful part to be a part of such a great congregation. The desire of the hearts of this congregation for some time. For those that, even on the video, you said it's just good to have a home. Those weeks of setting up and tearing down. To have a facility that you have the keys to. And not only the keys to, you can just leave everything in its spot. And it'll be there the next day. That's a miracle. That is blessings. Of course, honoring brother and sister Brown and their family, Jonathan and Sophia, all the faithful saints of this church for being faithful and steadfast, and this is the God we serve. That's who he is, and you have demonstrated that part of his character and nature in you during this time. And So tonight, today, we're here to dedicate this building to the Lord and to the Lord's work, and yet we sort of find ourselves in a precarious situation now, stay with me. Don't leave in the next few moments, okay? We find ourselves in sort of a precarious situation because it's not uncommon to hear around churches people say things like, well, well, buildings don't matter. I- I've heard people say that, you know, that this is just bricks and mortar, wood, copper, steel, plastic, other materials. I'm not going to go any farther than that because I'm not a contractor and I would reveal all of my ignorance. But just you know, buildings doesn't matter. And it's a it's a temporal facility and and um, that's that's really not even the church. Can't get any more depressing than those statements right there, can it? But I w- I want to speak to you on this subject today that buildings matter. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. Buildings matter not afraid to talk about this building, not just the church, we're gonna talk about this building. It matters. What you have done here today, we're not just going through the motions of something, we're not just talking about something, we're talking about something that matters and that's gonna make a difference in Rock Island. And I tell you how much it matters is every enemy of the church does not want this building to be right here at this race at this time. So let's unpack this a little bit. Those who would say that buildings don't matter, they typically, uh, they typically follow that with another phrase. And they would say something like, well, we are the church, not, not the building. And I understand what's being said that, saying you know, the, the deduction is, the logic is, well, since we are the church, the building really doesn't matter. We're the ones that matter. And we like that, because we feel good about that, that we're the ones that matter. And, and that is true. The scripture does talk that we are the body of Christ. We are his body. We are the building. This is Ephesians, the fifth chapter. It's talking about husbands loving their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Then he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Verse 27, then he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy without blemish. So, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. No one has ever hated his own flesh, nourishes it and cherishes it. Verse 30 or 29 goes and says, just as the Lord does the church, his bride, the bride of Christ. Verse 30 says, we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave father and mother, be joined to his wife, the two shall be one flesh. Verse 32, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Paul is saying when he starts talking about marriage and, and these relationships, he he's using those as an analogy of something that we can see on a daily basis, that we have all been connected to family and and, and marriage in some sense. And he's, when we're looking at that, he says, you know what, this is a great example of Christ and the church. In fact, this is the first institution that God created. What you have to understand about marriage is this is not something that the government created. This is not something that is socially created. This is something that in the very beginning, God brought man and woman together and they were to be one flesh, male and female. This is divine plan. And the Bible says that this love for one another and this sacrificial love, he's saying this is really supposed to be a picture of Christ and the church, that God so loved the world that he gave, that he loves his bride so much that he sacrificed and that we should be able to see what our relationship should be like. In fact, Romans 12 says, 5 says, so we being Many are one body in Christ, individually members of one another. So the Ephesians and, and, and Paul's writings to the Romans is saying that this is the church, this is a body. We're all members of this church. And so what we should do is love one another and care for one another. Why? Because when we don't, we hurt ourselves. This is so vital to understand about the church. The church is different from it. We are not a social group. We are not a social organization. This is not like all the help organizations and the nonprofits. This is not a business. This is not a corporation. No, no, no. We might have to operate in this world, but that's not what the church is. The church is the body of Christ. We are members of one another. And so what should we do? We should love one another, cherish one another, care for one another. This, this, is why, this is why things like gossip and sowing discord are so bad in the church. This is why the Bible talks about them and says even that, that sowing discord is an abomination before the Lord. Because in these things we don't just hurt ourselves or hurt somebody else. We hurt everybody. Because we hurt the body. And so there's this message about the church is that we don't talk bad about one another. We don't gossip about one another. We come together because we need one another. We need one another in our lives. So we have to care for one another. Colossians says, and he is the head of the body, the church, the head. It's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and all things may have preeminence. Colossians says it like this in the next chapter, 2 and 18, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Verse 19, not holding fast to the head from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. Paul's letter to the Colossians emphasizes that Christ is the head of the church and we are the body of Christ. And so if you're really going to be a part of the church, the body of Christ, you've got to be connected to the head. You've got to be connected to the head. And notice this. One of the things that was happening, Paul was talking about those in the Colossians that they had become vainly puffed up by their fleshly carnal mind. The way they saw things. And and he's saying this is not how it's supposed to be. This is not about my ideas or your ideas. This is about God who is the head of the body. That is the king of the church and, and the lord of the church. This is not about how we think it should be done. Unity comes when we come into the body and says he is the head. It's his will. It's his purposes to be accomplished and we as the hands and the feet of God carry that out on a daily basis. That's why the Proverbs, the wisdom writer says that you should trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all of your ways and he will direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. It will be help to your flesh and strength to the bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Bible is saying that Christ is the head and so we need to let him be the central nervous system. Realize your entire body, it is controlled by the brain and your spinal column, your central nervous system. If there is a disconnection in your central nervous system, it doesn't matter how strong your bicep was. It, It doesn't matter how strong your quadricep was. It does not function unless there is a connection that goes into the central nervous system. We as the church, we're not out here on our own, but we are connected to the one that went to the cross and purchased us with his own blood. Yes, we are hands and feet, but we can only move and operate as we stay connected to the head. This is the church of God. And so we're called to trust him and acknowledge him and fear him and depart from the things he would have us depart. And when we do that, the Bible says, comes wisdom and understanding. As we are connected with him, in fact, this is what he talks about, first fruit. He talks about the tithe, the first fruits. What is he saying? He's saying that these become an initial test whether or not he really is the head that's directing us. He takes the common things that we deal with every day. There might might be a lot of abstract ideas, but he says, "Let's, let's talk whether or not he is really the head, the Lord of your life. He says that comes down at the end. He says, honor the Lord with your possessions and your first fruit and the tithe. He says this becomes a demonstration, a revelation that we are really connected to the head. That it's not our carnal mind that's directing things. That we really are trusting in the Lord. We're walking with him as the body. So Paul would say the Romans, so we being many are one body in Christ. Individually members of one another. So this unity that comes, this unity that desires that, that we would be one in what we are doing right here. This is how Jesus said it, John 17, 11, I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given me, and they may be one as we are one. When we come together today, what we have to realize is, yes, there is a head that is to control, lead, guide, direct, order our steps. Everything that that is what he is supposed to do. We're to trust in him but part of it is we are also to make sure we keep our relationships with one another and realize this is more than just a slogan. We are really all in this together, that we are the body, that we need one another. No matter what your gifting is, no matter what your ability is, you are needed here. God has a place for you here. There's a role for you here, a responsibility for you here. This has got to be more than a place that I go to church. I've got to be a part of this church. This is a place that I go and. Sunday this is a part of my identity it is who I am so we yes we are the body of Christ no doubt and along with that that line of thinking there's another argument that comes along the way and it's a it's sort of a second digression in that and it's like this well you know when we start talking about what matters yeah. You know, it doesn't really matter. You know, God doesn't look on these outward things and these superficial things. God looks on the heart. We're the body. billies don't matter. And the, the heart. Of course, this is a reference to Samuel's anointing of David. 1 Samuel 16, 7, The Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, for I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, the Lord looks at the heart. First of all, to use this in so many ways is a gross mischaracterization of the intent of Scripture. This is not talking about righteousness or holiness or any of those things. This is talking about who's going to be anointed king. An elder, uh, the eldest son of Jesse had been presented before Samuel, Eliab. And the prophet Samuel believes this is the perfect one. He looks the part. So I want to anoint him. And, and this is even how Israel got into their, their, their first issue with Saul. But he, he says this is the perfect thing. Game, set, match, this is done. This is the king. And, and the Lord pulls Samuel's coattail and keeps him from anointing Eliab. And he says, you're about to make a grievous error. Because you can't see all the things that I can see. You are limited. The only thing you can see, Samuel, when you look at somebody is their outward appearance. It's not that that's not important, but I can go beyond that as God, and I can see down into their heart and their spirit and their soul, their motives. That's why this is such an important thing with God. Many times we don't know, not only do we not know what's in someone else's heart, we don't know what's in our heart. Why, the psalmist would say, search me, O God, and know my heart. That's why it's always dangerous to try to guess what's in somebody else's heart because we have a hard enough time knowing our own heart. Or or one of my favorite verses, I I think everybody here should memorize it before you go to bed tonight, Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. This is why we guard our heart, because what is in your heart is carried to the rest of your body. It's pumped to the rest of your body, what is in your heart. And so what the writer is saying, you've got to guard your heart because in your heart if bitterness or envy or jealousy or things get into your heart, it won't stay in your heart. It'll go to your hands. It'll go to your feet. It'll go to the rest of the body. So you have to guard these things. Now, what you have to understand is Paul is not speaking negatively about wisdom. He's not speaking negatively about knowledge. Here's what the scripture says, that that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. In fact, it's so important that God gives us the gift of knowledge and the gift of wisdom. It's not talking about that because the, the difficulty is human wisdom that has been separated from the spirit of God. And so it wasn't just about how good somebody looks. Uh, It does not about what maybe how sharp they might be. It says you've got to look beyond that to get into the heart. And so it's very important that we do not misapply this scripture. Because when we begin to look at it, what is happening is that the Lord is saying, this is all that you can see, but I can go beyond that. That's the power of the word of God as we come to church. Everything might look all right on the outside, but the preacher gets to preaching the word on Sunday morning. And you know what the word of God is? is doing it's getting down into our heart it's getting to our spirits and while everything might look okay on the outside something's happening on the inside something that I can't do all I can do is stand up here and speak words but God can take a spoken word and he can go past your facade he can go past your appearance and he can work it down into your heart to your spirit that's what the scripture talks about even eating the word of God the call to eat it. Revelations 10.10 says, I, uh, I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it, and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. This sweet as honey, that's a delicacy in, in ancient times. If you go into the Hebrew culture, and so many times the word of God has got this comparison uh, or this, uh, this use, the sounds of honey, something that is so sweet, but sometimes... What's sweet when it's coming in, it does a work inside of us. Realize it's what the nutrients you take in, it's what you live by. It's what you live by, and it's carried to every extremity of your body. It nourishes your body. It's your manna, your daily bread. It comes in and it nourishes your entire body. And so the scripture is saying that when we take in, sometimes uh, w- w- you can't tell by how things look on the outside. You can leave a, s- a service and pe- somebody walked out and, and they seem okay, but the word of God is working inside of them. And all of a sudden that night in prayer or the next day in prayer, that word of God is beginning to do something inside. That's the power of the word of God. And, and so what you have to realize is that God has the ability to go past our fences he has the ability to go past the superficial or the external and so these are the context of of some of the arguments that people would make and hopefully I sort of debunked them a little bit but I want to bring it home in the rest of our time together you see the fact is yes we are the body of Christ Yes, God looks at more than how things look on the outside. God has the ability to go into the heart. But here's also a truth. Man can't see into our hearts. And man can only see what is in front of them. Yes. This is what the scripture says. The same God that said these things by this, all men that you will know my disciples, if you have love one for another. He says that it's not just going to impact the world what was happening in your heart you can walk out and say God touched my heart I, I feel peace in my heart I, I feel joy in my spirit you can say all of those things but that doesn't help anybody until they begin to see it on your face or they begin to notice it in your relationships or in your marriage or how you treat somebody they begin to see that in fact he goes on Matthew five sixteen let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying yes I I, I know you're the church I I know you're the body of Christ I know your hands and feet and and I know that that we are limited by what we can see but what you have to understand is that the world around us has those same limitations and the only way we're going to impact the world is for them to see something the only way we impact the world is when they see the love of God in our life. The only way they impact the world is when we say hey we are so committed to the gospel. We'll give our of our time, our talent, and our treasure, and we will build a temple and say this is God's house. That's how much it means to us. You see, what you have done here is admirable. The effort, the energy, the finances, the commitment, the faithfulness, the steadfastness, the staying the course to bring it to this day. And can I tell you that God gets great glory out of this facility. Oh, it's a building of steel. and and It's much more than that. Let's get past the materials. This is the house of God. It's more than materials. It's a place that we have consecrated to Him. It's a place that we have dedicated to Him. This is not my house, this is not, this is God's house this is God's house we don't give all of this effort for something that doesn't matter next time you hear somebody say buildings don't matter, tell them that 39 year old Brent Cothop says they do see, this is more, yeah, it's not just the materials. It's not just that. But you know, my relationship with Rachel is more than materials. Yeah, I I know you can take this entire body and you can tell me what all it is made up and it can become nothing more than a list of ingredients. But our relationship's a whole lot more. A little bit of blood and some bone and calcium and the various things no no when you look at it, it is a relationship that is goes beyond the materials that make up two individuals. Because you know what happens is that that I'm not just a a, a being. I'm not an animal. (laughs) Unlike maybe what you've heard in our world. No, I was created in the image of God. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am skillfully wrought. And inside me is the breath of life. I have a living soul. No, I'm not just flesh. I'm not just an animal. And this church is more than the materials it is. But there is a spirit that comes into this church and it breathes life into this building. This is not like Walmart or a social center. No. This is God's house. His spirit is here. Life is here. Miracles take place here. God moves. God operates. Relationships are restored and built because it's more than the sum of its parts. This is the house of God that the spirit inhabits. That's why we give. That's why we sacrifice. I was thinking about this day and I was thinking about Brother and Sister Brown and serving with youth ministries. And uh, throughout the past and representing this church. Realize that this local church, your ministry goes beyond Rock Island. As you support your pastor, whether it's as a presbyter or anything else you do, that's the kingdom of God. Amen. That God calls us to this. And uh, remembering through youth camps, number ones. who's going to go teach Bible study this Thursday night, you know? Pulling back up on the campground midnight or after because the heart was that while we were doing the work of God, there was something that was being invested and a burden for this area and this community. Tell me this is like every other building in town. No, this is not like the gas station. It's not like McDonald's. The Spirit of the Lord is here. We've dedicated it to them. Uh, Here's what the Bible says. Whatever you do in word and deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. There's a lot of activity that's going on that's not going on in the name of Jesus. But here at this place, it's going on in the name of Jesus. This is not what it once was. This is the house of God. And so Paul is saying, whatever you do in word and deed, make sure you can do it where God will get glory. And what's happening here at the Refuge Church is that God is getting glory because of your effort, of your intent, of your passion here. Exodus 19, 6 said, you shall be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words you'll speak to the children of Israel. God has always wanted a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. To represent him in the world. It's very important to understand this. Throughout the Old Testament it is very clear. God wanted a nation where the world could see them. And look what it's like to be in a relationship with Yahweh. So everything about it. Was to reveal himself and a relationship with him to the world. Well Peter goes on to say that you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood a holy nation his special people notice this that you may proclaim proclaim the praises in him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You know why this building matters? This building matters because it exists to proclaim the one who called us out of darkness and brought us into marvelous light. That's why we are here. That's why this matters. Let's get it, rid it, and settle it today. This church is important. This building is important. Every fiber of the carpet is important because it's no telling what tears will be prayed on this carpet. It's no telling what water is going to be splashed on this platform, from that baptistry. Yes, it matters. This is God's house. This is the refuge church. And it's here to be a witness in a dark community. It's here that when people drive by, they say there's a church of God. Those people are dedicated and consecrated. They have given themselves to the church of God because I'm here to tell you that this building matters. I went on Google, Google. Easy for me to say. Google. And uh, just checking out the drive, how long it was going to take, all that. And it pulls up a picture, and I could tell I could tell it was in construction, the picture on Google. Don't check it right now. What's happening in here is more important than Google. And so I pulled it up, though, and I sort of zoomed in, because I wanted to see what photo. And in the photo, there's like a container. It's on the property. It is in some phase of construction. They have the landscaping fence sort of there to keep the... And, and I looked at it. And I thought, wow. That's what this was. I can't wait to see what it is now. All right. And when I pulled in, I said, this has pl- place has been transformed. Yeah. 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 Transformed start walking through the halls of this building, and I'm pumped. I'm starting to think about the children that are going to be taught the word of God in these classrooms. I want you to know that I am a product of a local church. And when I walk into those classrooms, I remember walking in as a child into those classrooms. Teachers teaching, investing in me, and the Lord knows they needed encouragement to stick with me. In fact, interestingly enough, the only person that sent me to the Sunday school office, in church when you get sent to the Sunday school office, the only higher level is calling the police. And I began to think back, he, he, he's retired now over the last few years, but but our Sunday school director was the only teacher back in that day and he supports me as a pastor <laughs> and it just blows my mind except when i talk to them because you know what it's people that are grown up or people are getting baptized that's what they were it was all about Don't don't tell them it was just a room with block walls and a wood door. No, no, no. That was a place where the Word of God was taught. and The Spirit of God was investing and moving. And I can still tell you illustrations of of my Sunday school staff and and my youth ministry staff that shared with me at different parts of my journey. They didn't realize it. Sometimes it looked like it was just an average Sunday. But no, this is a different place because they were putting something that had the power to change my eternal destiny. And you Know what's going to happen in this church it might have been a field it might have been at something but this place has been transformed and now the square footage on this place is a place where eternity is going to be changed and destinies are going to be shaped and men and women of God are going to make an impact this is the church and it matters do the people matter yes and this facility matters it is all God's and it's transformed I'm coming quickly to a close. Criminologist James Wilson and George Kelling came up with a theory called broken windows theory. And it was that disorder leads to greater disorder. To summarize, he said that if you are walking down the street and you see a building Where some child maybe on the way home from school picks up a rock and tosses it through the window. He says, if somebody doesn't repair that window, within a few weeks, every window will be broken. Because it sends a message that nobody cares. And so children start saying, oh, we can break windows in this house. We can't in that because they take care of it. But this one we can And so they just start throwing rocks until all the windows are broken and what do you do when all the windows are broken? You do graffiti, you do other damage, and pretty soon he's saying the result is a building in it's bad disrepair because the message was nobody cares. Nobody cares. It's a theory that's been implemented and proven time and time again. I thought, you know what is the beauty of what's taking place here? Is is I want you to know people pay attention when they drive to and from work and when they come through. And then they all of a sudden say, hey, there's some construction equipment over there. I wonder what's going to be there. I wonder what they're doing there. I mean, I do that. I'm always like, I hope this is my favorite restaurant. Please, 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 please. <laughs> what are they doing? You know, and I keep paying attention. I, I want to see the progress. I want to see the progress, what it's coming for me. And then when the, the outward structure is, I, I know they're still working inside and I, I wonder how long it's gonna be till it's open and it's ready and it's active. Just paying attention. And somewhere along the line, the sign goes up, and you know. Sometimes you know just by the shape, right? You're like, every Starbucks in the world looks like that. That must be Starbucks. you would be able to know that, but you're not sure till that day. You pay attention. You know what's happening here in Rock Island? Is that the moment, the moment they did a survey and they started putting stakes down, somebody was saying, what are they doing there? there's never been anything there what, what are they doing there and they keep walking they come home hey hey honey did, have, have you seen a newspaper what, what what are they building is it a texas roadhouse is what, what what is happening there i'm sorry i should have said that when it's time to eat <laughs> what's going on and they watch it and they see somebody's making an investment somebody's putting stakes down Somebody's laying a foundation. Somebody is here to stay. Ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you, I'm thankful for the yellow house. We always need to talk about the yellow house. We always need to talk about those storefronts. But there's something different here today is you've let hell and this entire community say, no, we're not just going to to rent or or lease. We have our own peace. We have staked out our claim. We are the church of the living God. And we're here to stay not just this week not just this year we are here to stay this is not a lease we have put our money our time our talent our treasure we have committed ourselves our name is on the sign we've got the keys this is the house of God this is the Lord's house this is the Lord's house please please remain standing with me this is the Lord's house. Now what I have to tell you, I hope this doesn't come across as hard, but today we have to give on, up ownership to this building. I know that's tough when you've invested in something to give something away. But realize the time, the talent, the treasure you invested were God's. That he placed in your hands as the pastor said, for us to be stewards. So when we did that, this was the vision that's come to pass. But this is the day that we say, God, this is your house, not mine. I want you to know, it's still okay to call it your church. It's still okay. God knows what you mean. As long as you know what you mean, everybody else will be alright too. But it doesn't matter if you gave the most money for this church to be built or the least. Doesn't matter if you are at more hours and work nights than anybody else. Today we take a step back and say, God, this building matters. And it's yours. Because God, if we just have this building without you, no, we want it to be your house. The house of the Lord so I'm asking the members of the refuge, if you would come to the front, gather around the altar. It's spread out, yeah, about the whole front, but if you would gather. Second Chronicles 2, 4 Behold, I'm building a temple for the name of the Lord my God. Dedicate it to Him. To burn before Him sweet incense for the continual showbread, for the burnt offerings, morning and evening, the Sabbaths, the new moons, set the feast of the Lord. This is an ordinance, an order forever. We're setting this aside. You see, when we dedicate something, we're we're dedicating it. We're putting it on its right track. We're we're saying, this is what we're doing. We're dedicated. This is its purpose. And we want to make sure that we've got it going where it's supposed to be. Fulfilling its purpose of why it's here. See, if we just built this building and somebody else walked in, they might use it for something different. What we're doing today is we're putting an ordinance before the Lord. Is that this is why this building exists. We want to make sure it starts off right. Here's what the writer of Kings said, but... Will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee, how much less this house that I build. Yet you have respect unto the prayer of your servant to his supplication, Lord God, to hearken unto the cry and the prayer and the servant prays for this day. Thy eyes may be opened toward this house night and day, even toward the place which thou hast said, my name will be there you may hearken unto the prayer which your servants will pray and make toward this place, and hearken to the supplication of your servants and the people of Israel when they would pray toward this place, and hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place. Respond, forgive. Solomon understood building a house that would hold the Lord is impossible. His glory fills the heavens, the universe. But he's saying what we're saying is God Put your name here. Your presence, your your focus, your, your kind of let let your glory be here. Connect yourself to this place. That when we pray, when we have to, that you hear our prayers, that you respond to it. And here's the thing: you have to realize that the God who fills all time and space was glad and thrilled to do just that. So as big as our God is, He's excited. About putting His name here with Refuge Church, and saying that when people come to this altar and pray, I'm going to hear their prayers. And when we take somebody, we baptize them, and we say, "Into the name of Jesus Christ, it will be for the remission of sins." That God will respond here. <laughs> so there was a number of things at the dedication of the temple that were from previous times that David had been storing up for when the temple would be built. Even though David didn't build it, he was putting aside materials that would one day be in the temple. I know, I know we can't sort of move the yellow house into this building and and I don't think we probably would want to do that, but you know there's part of it that's here today. How many has been to the yellow house? Look at this. That walked in here today. I don't know all the three names, but how many has been to one of the storefronts? More. You see, we're bringing our whole past into this building here today. It's all here. And the present is what we're doing right now in dedicating this. And the future is, as we're making covenant with God, that no matter what comes our way, we are going to go to him and he is going to hear and he's going to answer. And so what we're dedicating today is we're, we're dedicating our foyer here today. That first impression is that the moment somebody walks through that door for the very first time, they're going to feel something different. That every hospitality member that serves, whatever structure is there, that they're going to walk in and they're going to feel and sense Something that is different here. People are going to be welcomed. And from the very beginning, their guards are going to start to go down because of when they walked in that foyer, because it's not just a foyer. These are not just greeters, these are apostolic, spirit filled people. That when they go to the prayer room, when they punch in that code and they walk in and they begin to pray, they begin to talk to God. That God is going to be waiting for them because we dedicate this to Him. That God, this is your room. And when people come in and they're sick, when people are praying for because of disease or things that are happening with their family or they're concerned about their children or they don't know what to how to, to help their parents, that when they come in there with their needs, God will hear. That every, ch- par- ch- every chair, every pew chair that's in this building when people sit these are not just chairs these are gods from every instrument that will ever be on this platform this is not here to just give concerts and to entertain but it'll be used to glorify and lift up the name of Jesus his presence at this pulpit that when the pastor comes and he preaches and he teaches, that special anointing and unction will come and flow through him because when he's going to speak to us, he's going to speak the words of life in our lives. The people out there don't know it, but we have a mass burial site on this property, and it's a baptistry. And that one after another, they're going to be buried in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins. Why? Because this is a different place. This is the house of God. And so I'm going to read a list of statements. And if you can agree with them, church, here's how I want you to respond. With just this simple phrase, with each statement, we dedicate this house to the worship of the one true and living God, to the service of our blessed Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to the preaching of the gospel of the grace of God who is able to save from the uttermost and for salvation full and free to whosoever will. To the instruction and training of all ages in the way of righteousness and holiness for proper growth and grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, preparing for every spiritual activity and service, to prayer, to worship and prayer and song, to the ministry of the word, the service of the saints to the glory and will of God, for the training and the nurture of childhood. For the inspiration and admonition of young people, for the sanctification of our families, for strength and comfort of the aged, for every good work. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. going to make some vows. And so, sort of like a wedding, I want you to repeat after me word for word what I say. And as I'm giving these vows, dedication, I'm going to ask our ministers to gather around the Browns to pray for them. I'm going to ask the rest of the body that is here just to gather as close as you can. I know you're not going to be able to get to everybody, but we want to come and show our support as we dedicate this. So repeat after me. Now in the presence of God and these witnesses, We do dedicate this house in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We dedicate this house, its furniture, its instruments and equipment all together to God for His service. And we present ourselves, body, soul and spirit to God also. And humbly pray that we may acceptably serve and worship God here. got down deep into the spirit and notice we started out by saying in front of these witnesses we stand here as witnesses we know why and what you have dedicated this place to today and we are witnesses before you and the Lord but I want us to lift our voices if you're able to maybe put a hand on a brother around you a sister around you let's unite together local assembly let's unite together let's believe for God to do something right now in the name of Jesus God, you're the giver of all good gifts. Lord, we ask that you accept the offering of this house in the name of Jesus, both for all his glory and good of all concern. God bless every heart which shares in this gift that is made by willing hands and grateful hearts in the name of Jesus. God, receive this. This is your house. We are your people. Let your will be done. Let your purpose be be accomplished. Lord, let it be fulfilled here today in this house. Oh, Oh, that's it. Let's strengthen one another, let's encourage one another. Oh, Jesus, be the center of.